following is a paid program on 630 WLAP. This is the Tom Dupree Show on News Radio 630 WLAP and WLAP.com. Welcome to the camp. I guess you all know why we're here. My name is Tommy, and I became aware this year. If you want to follow me, you've got to play pinball. And put in your earplugs, put on your eye shades, you know where to put the cork. Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show. We're going to have a special guest today. A little bit of Glenn Campbell there. Um, let me start with my psalm, Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. That's from Psalm 34. We have today with us uh, Dave Buzz Baker, and uh, we appreciate you being on the Tom Dupree Show today. It's great to be here. That's just the kind of renaissance man that you are, Well, that you can go from Glenn Campbell to a psalm. Yeah, it's and it's not Dave a very Baker. far jump. Right, right, right. That that's, that's right. Kinda, you get the heaven and hell covered there. As well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You mind if I read your your CV here? Oh dear gosh, you're not going to read that stuff. I, Tom, I'm very uncomfortable talking about myself. Can you? Well, let me, let me just things? do it for oh, the for the. No, bit. I mean seriously. I I talked. I'll I'll talk about you. It's now. very different in this seat, as you know. Yeah. Once you've been in that seat, yes. And how fun it is. Well, let me just let, give them yeah. some background. Sure. Since 1982, Dave Baker has been a sports anchor, reporter, and account executive at WKYT-TV. Uh, he appears on air through their lineup of news, sports, and special events programming, in addition to hosting a variety of U.K. and SEC televised events, including U.K. JMI telecast and broadcasts of U.K. sports. In addition to his work at uh, KYT, he's been involved with uh, the broadcast of events for the SEC for over two decades. He's part of the SEC's basketball television package broadcasting men's and women's game for the SEC network. He's also been part of Turner Sports team cast for the Final Four. During his time at KYT, he's covered the Cats in five Final Fours and three national championships. Wow. 96, 98, and 2012. Right. He began doing events for the SEC's syndicated uh, package, Jeff Pilot, Lincoln Financial, and Raycom Sports in 93. His assignments included host of the SEC Football Today, pregame show, uh, show and sideline reporting. Um, one of the big highlights of his career was he was a play-by-play announcer on Raycom Sports Broadcast of SEC basketball uh, when a uh, tornado hit the Georgia Dome. Yeah, we were we were part of that broadcast. Two thousand and eight. Yep. Um, he's had a long history of community involvement, and uh, he's very, very much enamored of the Children's Charity Golf Classic. 
which has uh, celebrated its 35th uh, anniversary. Well, that was in 2006. That's right. It'd be 40th this year. 40. 40th anniversary. Yeah. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Tom. I appreciate it. It's great to be here with y'all. I didn't know the boss was going to be here, too. Yeah. She's she's definitely uh, you know, behind if, the thing. No, if it had not been for love, yeah, she could have. She was on her way to carving out her own career as an outstanding journalist. Well, that's she won't that's tell you part that. of what she wants to talk about. Okay. Oh gosh, not the way I was. Not the way I was. What are we talking about here? Well, I, you know, sometimes people like you who come back into my life or whatever, I'll hear these stories about how how I, you know, how my demeanor may or may not have been in the newsroom at a particular time. So. Well, I go and go and we're gonna date ourselves. Just. Well, that's okay. It's okay to date. Okay, yeah. Date. Date. Um, Back in the mid-1980s is the first time that our paths crossed. Yes. We were both at Channel 27. That's right. And you were still at Georgetown College, correct? Or had you graduated? I, I would have graduated. My, I actually graduated in May of 82, but I probably started interning at the station probably a couple years before that. Okay. And I don't, I don't remember when it was exactly. But you were interning, right? I was interning, but they also threw me in the grease and had me yes, pro- they did. producing the weekend news. They did. Yeah, that's right. They absolutely did. And you were involved in that, and um, yeah. the rascal that you were, <laughs> and with your big personality, you still were she wanted very— to, She wanted to say mouth or something. Yeah. Well, you know, it's— Okay. Okay. Uh, it, it, you were always very supportive. And you know what's the most interesting thing, I think, about your background in— radio, television, and all that, you have been at the same station for how many years? This will be 39 at wow. the end of April. That's just unparalleled. You know, it's it, it's, it doesn't it, happen. And, and I'm not just saying this, but I got good advice early on from, from people like your dad and from Ralph Hacker who said, you know, the best thing you can do is if you want to do some different things, you know, look at it like a wheel. You know, have your have your base of yeah. operations there, and then kind of spoke out. Pays your bills, so to speak. Right, and then and then it's interesting. You know, what's that line about the um, about the toes you uh, step on on the uh, way up are going to be attached to the backside you kiss on the way down? <laughs> and, and and you just you just never know how things are going to happen. You know, you talk oh. about, you talk about all that stuff that we did with Jefferson Pilot and Raycom. Yeah, great television. We uh, we bought Raycom. I mean, who's so, we? Uh, great television. Great. So great television. Ralph Gabbard, uh, when the whole Kentucky Central uh, divestiture happened, yeah. you know, Ralph Hacker sold VLK. The insurance company was sold, and KYT uh, was sold to Great Television. Right. They're out of Georgia. A guy named Mac Robinson. Mac Robinson, who had great like uh, more lumber than anybody. Yeah. East of the Mississippi, was here because he owned a piece of Holy Bull. Yeah, that's right, with the bells. That's right, that's right. And so he saw the television station and said, this would be a good thing. And so we were the first television station that Gray Television bought outside of Georgia. Ralph was the first president, and unfortunately he passed away all too soon while they were out raising money for their initial public offering. Yeah. Uh, But Gray continued to grow, continued to grow, and we'd gotten up to where we were about 70 stations. And about a year and a half ago, uh, we completed the acquisition of not only Raycom Sports, but Raycom Television. So we've gone from 70 stations to about 135, and we're now the third largest uh, 
television broadcaster in the country. 135 stations. Right. And a lot of those guys that I work with on those games yeah. are guys that I work with now as part of the new company. It's yeah. great. Now, did that – the way that that parlayed, did that help your expansion personally, meaning um, – but you were with Raycom before Raycom. And right, right, right. I, I did. The, the, Raycom has no broadcast entity anymore, and all the all the broadcasting that I do now, I was really, I was really pleased, and uh, it, it was a lot of fun to be able to do all that broadcasting. But to try to hold down a full time job, that was just not going to be yeah. something that you could do all the time. I mean. Right. You know, you'd be doing a game at midnight and uh, you'd finish up at midnight in beautiful Starkville, Mississippi. Yep. And you'd get out to the airport at 430 trying to make it back here to your day job by noon the next right, day. Right. That's tough. That's tough. So but now with the SEC network, uh, what I can do is I can still do a lot of events for them, but just yep. do the ones here. Like like in addition to the UK pregame where I'm Rex's caddy. Uh, we do. Uh, I do all the UK soccer, men's and women's, and I do the UK women's softball. And so it may not be at the rate that you used to do those things when you're traveling, which is a okay. Sure. But I can do them. It doesn't take away from the day job, and I'm not gone. Right. Your day job is selling advertising. Well, it's kind of it's kind of a combo. I mean, yeah. uh, I uh, uh, the the way it happened to me was when I was in high school up in Franklin, Ohio, which is a little bedroom community between Cincinnati and Dayton. Everybody who lived up there were people like my parents who were from southeastern Kentucky that had gone up there to get jobs in the paper mills. And uh, right. you, you've read Hillbilly Elegy, right? Yeah, that's right. Okay, so that what what's a guy? I can't think of a darn guy's I, name. I can't think of his name either. Uh, but but he, his the place he grew up is the town right next to mine. Okay. So it's the same sort of deal. And so uh, the guy who did the, uh, the play-by-play on the radio up there – uh, was a guy named Dan Humphreys, and he would right. come around and see our athletics director and sell spots, and then he'd do the games, and everybody knew who he was. Yeah, same thing Hacker did. So they've allowed me to kind of do the same thing out at KYT. I still do our our noon sports every day, and then I do our six thirty show on the CW, and then in between that, I'm out selling advertising. Right, and doing your sports casting. And covering UK games, and I don't know how you keep track of it all. Same way you guys do, and you do it because we've all got kids in college, right? That's right. <laughs> well, and you're good at it too. Well, you're, you're very, you're, you're very kind. I'm, there, there is nobody that has been any more blessed than I have, and I'm just, uh, I, it really is a blessing to be able to do it every day because sure. it's fun. I mean, there are challenges, yeah, but I mean, right, it's great. Everything's a challenge. I could still be working in a paper mill, right? That's right, you could be. Talk a little bit about how you got started in what you're doing. Um, you, that's a good story uh, about Georgetown College and, and yeah, that kind of I, You know, I'd always been kind of interested, and I went to school at Georgetown. There were a lot of guys uh, from up in southwest Ohio, a lot of my friends who went there, and so we we were there at Georgetown, and I'd always been interested in doing some stuff. Uh, how did What was that connection from – Southwest Ohio to Georgetown. There, there a lot were of Baptists up there. About half a dozen guys really? that I ran around with were going to go there and try to play small college football. I see. And, and just came down there, and there wasn't anybody that was pursuing me, right? right? I mean, so I needed to do something. And so we all ended up kind of migrating there. Yeah. And when I got there, uh, WRVG was the 5-watt radio station that you could barely hear across the on the other side of the sprawling Georgetown campus. Yeah. Uh, and they needed somebody to do the basketball games. Right. Uh, the guy that had done the games the year before had just graduated, who is Mike Summers, 
who's a longtime college football coach. He was a coach here. He's Joe B's son-in-law. Sure. And Mike had done the games the year before, and nobody was there. And so I ended up doing them and had always been interested in getting in it. Got an internship at KYT, um, like Elizabeth, when she was there. there I, I remember there was like a Sunday afternoon where some weather had blown through Woodland Park. Yeah. And there was no live body to send, so they send me down there. And I didn't screw the thing up. Oh, that's good. And so I got to do some more stuff. So my last semester of college, this is this is the dream semester for everybody. I took coaching and officiating football by appointment. Mm-hmm. By appointment. That now if you can do that, you're you're in great shape. And then I got twelve hours for working in the KYT Frankfurt Bureau during the eighty two legislative session. Right. And so that's when I made a lot of contacts over there. Still didn't have a job, didn't know what I was gonna do, and a position came open two weeks before I graduated. Yeah. Which starts the run of blessings. There you go. It is. Well, and is that that kind of is that how you first got interested in politics too? You seem like you've just fallen into different. Yeah. You make your own good fortune for the most part because when you show up and you do a good job, you get more opportunity and more blessings and all of that. Sure. But was that your first political exposure? What's the uh, uh, what's that old line about the the most important ability is availability? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so you know you try to be there every day and do that stuff and. Um, uh, I have told this story before, so I'm sure that I can tell this story right now. I've told it privately. I don't, this is breaking news for you, Tom. So, yeah. Elizabeth, my first experience was we were in the K house over at Georgetown, and I was probably a sophomore or junior or something, and the phone rang. And as a young pledge, I go darting in there to answer the phone. And this guy says, Brother Baker, um, I'm such and such, such and such. I think I'll I think I'll leave the name out to protect the innocent for right now, but I'll t- be glad to tell you off the air. And he says, "Here's what I need you to do. I need you to bring twenty brothers to the Campbell House Inn tonight at seven o'clock. Yeah, there is a meeting of the Kentucky Young Democrats, and there are uh, two people uh, that are running: a male and a female. You guys need to vote for the female, and I'll get you three kegs. You'll be there about twenty <laughs> minutes." And I said, "We're in." Yeah, absolutely. So that that was actually that was actually the 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 first experience. But I'd always been interested in politics, and so then in '82, working in the Frankfurt Bureau, uh, we had some guys, Mike Lynch and Dick Brown. Uh, a lot of people had offices, the media in the Capitol itself, but we had an office in like a strip mall up there at the top of the hill there in Frankfurt. But it was an opportunity to be around uh, a, a lot of folks and be exposed to that. And I just. Right. Uh, you know, a lot of people lament politics and all this stuff these days. It's but fun. I'm I'm fascinated by it. Yeah, I'm fascinated by the machinations of it, uh, the the behind the scenes. I think people get far too worked up uh, about uh, policies and things like that, and how people do things. Well, but- there's no middle ground anymore in politics. It's you're either on one side or the other. Just look at the Democrat primary right now right right know. but still and this is this is this is a whole nother show but I, I i refuse to believe that you can't talk about it you know when i was in that chair doing my show for whatever it was six or seven years i remember that i always said we can disagree without being disagreeable right and i still believe that i mean tip o'neill would would go and have the beer with with ronald reagan yeah and and there are people that can that can still do it. one of my best friends on the planet is rob reichley who's the executive producer at uh, at Raycom Sports, and his dad 
was like for about 35 years the number two man at Brown University. Really? That does not make him a Southern conservative. The no, way he, not not the, Brown University. The way he was Providence, raised. Providence, Rhode Island. But like we would do games. When we did the Raycom games, we were always the noon kickoff. Yeah. So we'd get in town on Friday. We'd do things. We'd sleep fast. We'd get up early. We would get up like between like 5 and 6 a.m. And we would always go on a walk to start the day. And that walk always consisted of talking politics. Yeah. And we never agreed on anything. And we still talk politics and life to this day. And yeah. I just think if more people talked, we'd be we'd be better off. You, everybody who's a conservative needs a good liberal as a friend uh, and vice versa. you got to be able to talk um, your differences. And, and Well, that's how you come up with a middle ground. If you don't if you, talk, you stay divided. If anybody if talk, cares about having a middle ground. And a lot of times they don't they don't see. But I don't to. even know if it's a middle ground. I mean, it's 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 just it it it's just decency in the way you do things. Didn't Lincoln right. and Douglas travel on the same train? Yeah, uh, I mean they're trying to beat the stew out of each other. I mean it right. was an incredibly uh, uh, contentious time uh, in our country. And I mean there's any number of examples of people, but you know people now um, they just get so dug in on positions. Uh, they. Uh, I, I think certainly with this president, they get much more worried about the style rather than the substance, and that gets them knocked off the rails. And I just think the more we can, and, I, and I've always tried to encourage my kids to do that. You know, the more you can talk about it, the and, and you've probably heard from your boys, they've probably been in some classes or something. Yeah, and have called and said, "Hey, can you believe so and so said this?" Yeah, they have. Right. And I and and like like me, you've probably said to him, "Okay, you can stand up and you can go toe to toe on this, and then see what your grades like at the end of the semester." Or well, right, yeah, our older one went to school uh, to college in Birmingham, Alabama, right. So he was to an extent spared from a lot of that because the that area went to a fairly conservative little school, yeah, Sanford, and, and it it was um, he went there because he played football. It wasn't right, yeah. right. That's how he ended up there. It wasn't because he was choosing a conservative. It actually kind of drove him a little bit. Did it wonky towards the end? Yeah. and there are some pockets down there in yeah. Birmingham that are more progressive. Bible Belt, yeah, the Bible Belt is there and it's it, and it's prevalent. But there yeah. are some like like there are some pockets in Birmingham. There are some. Uh, Athens, Georgia is oh, really yeah. quirky like that, right? Yes. I mean, they have a deal in Athens, Georgia. I don't know if it's still the law, but at one point in time, they had a law that you could not smoke in bars except after 10 p.m. <laughs> well, and, <laughs> That kind of defeats yeah. the purpose. Doesn't it? Either you're all in or you're not, That's right? right. <laughs> well, and it, it, to, to give an example of the Sanford thing, they gave out one of the chancellors or something, whatever they're called down there, gave out some kind of, what kind of violation was it? Oh, they uh, were smoking cigars in they the were smoking fraternity cigars house. On the back porch of the fraternity house, and they gave them some kind of... Oh, they booted them off camp? No, it they... wasn't over that, but it, yeah. they gave them some kind of morals violation. Or, that's right. You know, whatever it was. But So that's how it was super conservative. So he was sort of spared from the professors. That's, that is so of, funny. In, I, I, in, 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 in the year 2015, 16, 17... Do you know anywhere else where that <laughs> I, I was telling the story just the other night that uh, uh, Paul Feinbaum, who is the uh, star of the SEC network and everything, he was right. dear, he was dear friends with uh, Mike Slive, who was the commissioner, and Commissioner Slive was just great to all of us. And uh, the early formulations of the SEC network and a lot of this stuff that happened used right. to take place in Birmingham, 
Yeah, that was when Pine Bomb would come over to Commissioner Slive's house and they'd go out on the back deck and smoke cigars. Is that right? Oh, yeah. True story. Well, yeah, no violation there. No, (laughs) everything's got a beginning. Um, In your early years at 27, uh, how different was it from the way things are done today? Um, Technology changed everything. You're more of a Twitter guy now than than you used to, than you ever were at first, or well, we're not didn't we're, exist. We're not really a television station anymore. I mean, yeah. we're a multimedia place, and so you know, like when we talk about your kids or my kids, I mean, uh, it used to be uh, news just at six and eleven. Yep. And if you missed it, then you missed it. That's right. Uh, but now people are living lives where they're not home all the time. They can go to our website and get that news. We can push it out to them via Twitter. We yep. do like about, golly, I think 14 different newscasts a day now. We really? start at like uh, 4.30, uh, and our last one is obviously at 11 o'clock at night. Yep. So so we deliver it differently. Um, I, I mean, I can remember, and I've taken people on tours of the station. Elizabeth has seen this, you know. Back when we were first there, there were still some things that were shot on film. Yeah. And you had to go get that film development and actually splice it. Right. And now we've got an app like on this phone, like if there was some breaking news here or something, I could just flip the switch and go live from right here. There you go. So that that certainly changes it. Um, the the thing that uh, that I have enjoyed about your career is that you just you seem to be uh, just full of gratitude. I've I've looked at your Twitter feed and and uh, you cite some things on there that. Uh, um, Father Jim Sitchko, I saw that uh, oh, the other day. One of the true, one of the true blessed crazy men in the, yeah. on the planet, right? Yeah, and uh, and it just stands out for me about you is this thing of gratitude. I mean, I think we all need to have it, but I mean, I'm, listen, I, I, and I and I really hesitate to talk about this stuff a little bit because people can uh, can be so critical. Yeah, but I don't ever want to sound like I'm preaching. Because I have no moral ground to preach at all. I, I can promise you that I have made every mistake there is on the planet. Personal, professional, you name the category. I, I have made it. Not everyone. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you. I mean, you know. You. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know what would happen if we cataloged them, but yes. Yeah. Uh, in any event, though, every bad spot or position I have gotten myself in that that hasn't been real good it's been a result of my action and nobody else yeah i i am not one of these you know blame the world and and seriously every good and great thing that has happened to me has been because of the grace of god i mean there's it's good there's just there's just no other reason because by my works or uh my education which i've never considered myself a smart guy i've been blessed with a great work ethic i think and so other than that except for that blessing you know i don't know where i'd be Right. Well, let's take a break there. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show. It's News Radio 630 WLAP. Hi, this is Tom Dupree of Dupree Financial Group. Frequently, I hear from people I meet that say, Oh, I've heard you on the radio, and I've been planning to set an appointment with you. Let me say to all of you to whom this applies, call us now. There are several good things that happen when you set an appointment with us, but the main one is that you're no longer in the dark about your finances. 
We give you lots of information about your accounts, completely free and without obligation. Also, we let you know in no uncertain terms if we think you are on a good track for retirement or not. We are a candid guide to all of our clients and prospects. We tell you the truth. For a free, no-obligation review of your retirement investments, call us at Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. Also, listen to the Tom Dupree Show on Saturdays at 7 to 9 a.m. at News Radio 630 WLAP. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. From iHeartRadio, number one for podcasts, The End of the World. The End of the World with Josh Clark, me. The series explores existential risks, threats to human existence that could actually cause human extinction. And they're headed for us now. The weirdest part? It's looking more and more like it's up to those of us alive today to save the entire future of the human race. Nobody's ever been asked to do that before. How often do you say I slept horribly last night or it took me forever to fall asleep or I couldn't get back to sleep? If you aren't sleeping well and you're worried about sleep aids, explore CBD for sleep. CBD is the natural extract from cannabis, but there's no high. It's legal. You don't need a prescription. But can CBD really help you sleep better? Well, in a blind survey, 9 out of 10 CBDistillery.com customers said they do sleep better with CBD. Now, CBD is not FDA approved or peer-reviewed studied, but millions of people swear by CBD products, including my wife and daughter. The bottom line, if sleep is important to you, you owe it to yourself to explore CBD. And with over a quarter of a million customers, cbdistillery.com is the source you can really trust. It's a real company. Explore all the products at cbdistillery.com. Get 20% off when you enter Bill at checkout. Go to cbdistillery.com. Enter Bill for 20% off. cbdistillery.com. After a cold start to this Saturday morning, we're looking much better for the afternoon hours. We're going from the 30s in the morning all the way back towards the 50s for this afternoon's high. We're going to also calm down those winds just a bit with some more sunshine returning as well. I'm WKYT, and you're always down at Burniston. Broadcasting live 24-7 from the heart of Big Blue Nation, this is News Radio 630 WLAP, an iHeart Radio station. Paid for by the Public Education Fund. Frankfurt politicians are at it again, attacking our educators in public schools. They want to take money away from our local schools to give rich contributors a big tax break so they can send their kids to expensive private schools for free. The tax giveaway in House Bill 350 will grow to cost Kentucky taxpayers $186 million each year. We've had enough of folks in Frankfurt who want to bully our local schools and our kids. Call Frankfurt today at 1-800-372-7181 and tell your state rep to vote no on House Bill. You have three ex-wives and your current trophy wife wants a life insurance policy three times the size of the policies you had to purchase for your previous mistakes? If so, you need to call Big Lou at Term Provider, 800-276-1640. Big Lou is intimately familiar with your problems, and if you're 50 or 60 years old and in reasonably good health, a $1 million policy should only cost about 100 to $200 per month. Big Lou may have a solution for your previous policies as well. You may even save enough money to lighten the load on your new $1 million policy. Remember, call Big Lou. He's like you, except he's only on number two. 
Call Term Provider at 800-276-1640. That's 800-276-1640 for a million dollars in term life insurance that you can live with. Call Big Lou at 800-276-1640. 800-276-1640. 630-WLAP. Back on the Tom Dupree Show with Dave Baker. Can a guy ask a question? I normally yeah, do absolutely. on these shows. So does Tim or Elizabeth pick out the music? Or your your, your musical bumpers are the, are the best in radio. But uh, well, why Glenn Campbell today? We have, uh, we have good people. Right. That's all I can say. But is there a reason for the Glenn Campbell thing no, today? No, I don't think so. Uh, you asked ask oh, Tim. Oh, it's good, Tim. It's he good. felt like it. You know, Glenn Campbell, back in the day, played a lot of, uh, when Cole was rolling, Yeah, he played a lot of parties up at the Citadel in Hazard. Is that right? Yes, he did. He was the party. The, the Gormans had him up the there on a number of different occasions. Were you at, at any of these? No, points? sir. No, sir. I was still a, a young man who was chasing uh, education, truth, justice, and the American way. There you go. All right, you you scored a big interview recently. That was with the president, and uh, that depends on who you ask. But yes, yeah. the president of the United States. States that that was, um, I thought a, a remarkable interview. It was only about seven and a half minutes long, right. but uh, you know you have to do some negotiating to get to the place in life where you're the guy that gets the call to do that. Uh, something happens along the way. Um, where you know you're in the right spot at the right time, and and things, you, you, they're just not going to pick anybody to go do that interview. And well, yeah, you were, the or or, only or woman. did or did they? Well, I I mean here's the, here's the I mean you guys have been in this business right in your right. business. I mean sometimes you just got to make the ask, Be right? At the right place at the you right time. Make the ask. So I mean, Elizabeth, you were talking about it and about how people, you know. Uh, are branded differently in the media industry now. So one of the things they want us to do at KYT are podcasts and things like that. And so um, uh, there, because of my experience in this genre, uh, there there were some um, some folks out at the station who said, hey, why don't you do some of this stuff? And that's okay, you know, as long as the heat's not – we understand how this business can be and everything. So – when it was announced that the that the president was going to come to town, yeah. uh, Jessica Ditto, who's from here in the state, uh, works in his communication shop. And I simply sent an email and said, hey, would we be able to get anything before he's here to advance the visit? That's good. And so I get something back, and she copies me on this kid in the, in the White House press office, kid that I find out later who's a big U.K. fan who went to school here at U.K., and so he emails me back about four or five days later. I didn't hear anything else. And he says, listen, we can't do anything beforehand. Would you like to do something when he's there? Oh, yeah, we'd like to do that. And so that that was really just it. Yeah. And so uh, we had to fill out the paperwork. We went downstairs the morning of, and apparently he makes these decisions, final decisions, like on the way. Okay. So they do like a briefing at Air Force One, people he's going to meet or things like that. Right. And uh, uh, so uh, I'm getting texts, which was pretty cool, literally from Air Force One, 
saying, hey, things are pretty good. We're going back to talk to POTUS right now. Things are looking good. And so then, then I get, okay, we're all set to go. Secret Service will come get you in like about five minutes. Just like that. Just like that. And but so we're, you didn't have any time to really prepare. Um, well, we knew it was a possibility, but so I mean. You were, you were sort of ready, but you didn't. Right. You, didn't, you didn't have much advance notice, five minutes, right. essentially. Yeah. It, but to know that it was officially going to happen. So uh, they get there and everything, and they take us to a uh, room in the back, and people come by and, and say hello. And um, uh, interestingly enough, with, with the issues of the day, this, uh, this young lady comes in, introduces herself uh, to, uh, to myself and the photographer. And she introduces herself as the White House stenographer. And so I start asking some questions, and I'm, like, really interested in this. And apparently there are uh, five civil service people who are White House stenographers that travel with the president everywhere and records everything that he says, which could have saved us a lot of money over the last couple of years or so, depending on what people have alleged, right? Yeah. Isn't and, that the truth? And, 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 and so the president, I mean, he was very cordial to everybody. I mean, support people, everything like that. Yeah. And he turns to this young lady and he says, would you like a picture? And, and she just kind of blushed a little bit. She says, Mr. President, I'm your stenographer. And he goes, oh, my God, I am so sorry. I, I, I'm so sorry. And, and I said, Mr. President, I'd love to get a picture with you and a stenographer. Yeah. And he says, okay, so you will see. I'll have that picture like forever, and go. people will say, "Who who is that person?" And that's the White House stenographer. And with everything that is going on today, I think it's just crazy that something like that would happen. So anyway, that's so she's just constantly taking down what he's saying. Absolutely. Yeah, she's one of five. One she's of one five. of five public uh, civil servants that's with him all the time. That's right. Writing down everything. They record it. They transcribe it. They they produce an official record, and so. He could not have been more cordial, ask every question. Uh, there were a lot of people out there in the media and in the public who were very um, uh, very supportive, very complimentary like you were of the interview. There were also very many people out there who, who were not such. And Really? Oh, what was yeah. that all about? Oh, yeah. Well, they're just haters. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I won't the haters. I, I won't say anything in particular, but I mean, I'm, again, I'll be glad to tell you off the air, which could be the unauthorized Tom Dupree podcast at some point in time. But some people were just really, really nasty. Gosh, I, I mean, in the way I looked at it, okay, you if, if you want to disagree with my questioning or whatever, okay, fine, you can do that. Okay, this was the sitting president of the United States, and I asked him why he was here the night before the election and if he thought he was going to get impeached. Okay, now I don't think that's any sort of softball sort of questioning or no. anything. Okay, now people could differ with that if they want. Right. But I mean, what uh, what journalist would not have done that if they could? And and I don't know for sure, but I don't know if they got another actual request. Did they get after you for asking him about being impeached? Was, was no, the- no, they didn't like my tone and tenor. Yeah, oh, you know, and they they thought I was sucking up. I mean, one of the things I asked, I said, I said, listen, I said, I'm not saying you are, but I said this is kind of like an Elvis sort of deal where yeah, Elvis went I did out like that. Elvis went, out, and you understand what I'm saying. He yeah. went out and did all these shows, not because he needed the bread. Colonel Tom might have, yeah, but Elvis got energized by those crowds, sure. And Trump at 69 just kicks it up another level when he gets right. out in front of those live crowds. 
And that's the point I was trying to make. And so, you know, there, there were and, – and it all it, – it's like our political discussion right now. There were some people that thought that we probably shouldn't have aired that the night before the election. Yeah. And, and I don't want to get into my full show mode here. But there are some people in the discussion who believe that they are the smartest people on the planet. Oh, yeah. And that they need to tell people what they need to do. And I've always believed that people are smarter than what you give them credit for. Right. And smart enough to make their own decision. And they did, right? Yeah. It, di- it did not move that election toward the sitting governor who was very flawed. I, yeah, slightly. I remember all of that controversy, the heat that 27 took for the way that they aired the, the whole yes. presidential appearance. And it gets back to what I've said before. He is the president of the United States. Whenever a president of the United States, whether he's Democrat, Republican, whoever, that that that's a big deal when they come to your. It town. helps if you like him. We 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 covered that. We covered it the same way, though. If you remember, it was back in '96, I think, yeah. that Bill Clinton's last campaign spot uh, stop was here at the UK campus. And Patino introduced him. Yep, and that I was, do remember that. That was an outdoor rally over there, uh, but but he was the sitting president of the United States. And I mean, I I again, I don't know whether any other requests were put in, but when you ask how you got that interview, unfortunately, in this day and age, there are a lot of journalists. And and back when Elizabeth and I started, people would kill each other to do something sure. like that, right? And it was a lot harder to get probably sure. th- through the channels because communication is a lot easier in some ways. That's that it helped the kid. You can text UK, right? Right. Well, sure. But but what I'm also saying is a lot of people didn't even think to make the ask. Sure, they didn't because even- because this president is so polarizing. Whether you support him, agree with him, disagree with him. They knew there was going to be heat involved, right? And they didn't want to catch it. And I, I think that's, I think that's exactly what happened. Again, I don't know for sure whether anybody else put in a request. I don't think that they did, but, but I'm telling you, I think that that's the reason a lot of it wasn't asked. Yeah. Same thing with Kelly Craft, or you, you knew her. Already. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, and, and I've been blessed to do a lot of stuff like that. She was coming out and doing something with Bill, and so we just sat yeah. down and – Bill Bryant. It, yeah, we talked more basketball than anything else. But I, I'll tell you, we've got, some, we've got some real needle movers here in the state. And, yeah. and you know, it, it's just interesting the way they're viewed. Like, like I've never really understood Senator McConnell's relationship with Lexington. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there is a building in this city with his name on it, is there? No, there isn't. I mean, and all the stuff that he's done for this area, right? You know, I and and maybe Tom, I'm just kind of old school. You know, I I know it's what Mister Young wanted, but this town never did a memorial for Bill Young because that was his wish. The library? Well, no, no, but I mean a service after yeah. he passed. I mean, and that's oh, what, they didn't the right. City and and didn't that was do it. That was it. His wishes. Yes, that there was no service where people could publicly thank him for all he's done. Yeah, and I respect those wishes and everything. But I mean, whether you agree with McConnell or not, there's a there's a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. I, I mean, you look at that opioid thing right now. Eighty four million dollars for the University of Kentucky. Yeah, and I mean, if he doesn't push that, that doesn't happen. Right. 
So, you know, you've you've got that where where people aren't like that. You've got uh, obviously Kelly and what she's done, what what Joe Kraft has done. Right. You want to talk about feeling out of place. The only time I've really felt out of place was there was an event. I want to say it was November. Do you guys know Neil Chatterjee? He's the energy guy. Yes. You need to get him on the show. Okay. Next time he's in town. All right. No, no, he's a great guy, Tom. You'd love him. Yeah. I mean, he was a uh, he and his wife Rebecca were Henry Clay kids. Yep. And Neil's parents were cancer researchers over at UK, and they're now up at uh, the University of uh, Cincinnati. But Neil got to be McConnell's energy guy, and then President Trump appointed him as the chair of the National Energy Regulatory Commission. Am I right about that? I don't know. I think that's right. I think it's the NERC. NERC. And and I mean. So when you're dealing with energy and energy policy, if you think normal politics is crazy, yeah, people are very fired up about that sort of stuff. So he did this conference here in Lexington talking about energy. Yes. And he wanted me to talk about coal and energy and how vital it was here to Kentucky in general and Appalachia. Right. So I go over to this thing, and they have it over at the football field, which I'm really familiar with, right? Yes. And, I mean, there are limos lined up. All, I mean, there are people from all over the world here, media from all over the world. And he has me speak after Joe Kraft. Really? And I got up there and I said, never have I felt more out of place than this. And, you know, uh, Neil is a guy that is really moving the needle on policy and things like that. And, I, you know, again, no, no matter what party you're in, I mean, yeah. I mean, those are Kentuckians. Kentuckians. I mean, I, I, mean I, think, I think the governor has taken some good steps forward, you know, here, here, in, his, here in his first weeks and months right. in office. And, I mean, that's what we should do. You know, we can, you, you know, you can disagree with somebody without just, you know, castigating them, right? That's right. I, Absolutely. I, you don't have to be in the same party. I, I mean, at least I think that. I mean, I don't, I don't know that. You know, there are a lot of questions going on in the state right now, but just because you support a person or a position, that doesn't, that shouldn't put you in a box, right? No. They, they need to work together. That's what the people want. Right. That's what, that's what the voters want. They want something done. That's why this whole impeachment thing just was a waste of time. You know, it, it, it just didn't. It was spent time on stuff that didn't help the American people. It, it, it was it was very difficult from the standpoint, and um, you know, part of the discussion I've had with people, you know, it's like people, you know, without getting into all that, old Colonel Vinman, and we respect his service and everything, and people right. think he was done wrong. He's still in the service. Sure, he had just been dispatched to the White House, and he didn't say that the president did anything illegal. He said he shouldn't have done that, and he disagreed with the policy, right? Yeah, John Kelly came out and, and uh, uh, supported him just yesterday. And, and John Kelly agreed to go to work for the president, right? right? Same way Mitt Romney did, who tried to convince the president to appoint him as the secretary of state. Yeah. It seems like. And, and then voted for the impeachment. And, 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 and then and, voted and, for the impeachment. And, and, and here's where I am. I'm just a simple guy, right? Yeah. But this guy, whether you like him or not, did a show where the tagline was you're fired. That's right. So you go and lobby for you lobby for a job with him. Yes. And then somehow act like you've been somehow, you know, done wrong for life because you got fired. That's right. I mean, what did you expect the outcome of this to be, right? Yeah. But anyway, so so he disagreed with politics, but there's a long history in this country of of presidents dis, uh, or of military people or analysts 
disagreeing with presidential policy. Well, they have to. They're, that's why they have. Uh, that, that's why they have the the cabinets and, and things like that. Well, there has to be some give and take. Well, well, sure, but I mean, you go all the way back, and I mean, obviously, when he thought the war was going wrong, uh, Lincoln replaced yeah. uh, some of his generals with Ulysses Grant. You you had uh, Truman, who famously uh, sparred with MacArthur right. until he fired him, and then you go back and look at at a very political website. The History Channel. Yes. And you look at the fact that JFK, who is generally regarded uh, by both parties as an outstanding president who got us through the Cuban Missile Crisis, yep. he very listened very little to his policy people and basically shoved them aside after the Bay of Pigs, and it was he and his brother Bobby who did all the negotiating with the Soviet Union right. during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Yes. I mean, this is not new stuff. That's right. I, I mean, Jimmy Carter was using back channels, and so was Reagan as they tried to get the Iran hostages released. Of course. And and so all of a sudden now, you know, this is supposed to be some kind of illegal or something. That's just the way business gets done. Yeah, but the thing about it is, is I think it's important for people to still be out there swinging in a respectful manner. Because I think what people on the fringes of both sides want to have happen is that people who are in the middle, they just don't want them to be a part of the process. Right. They just want them out of the way so that it's easier for them to push their views on somebody else. Well, that's what goes on so much in politics is pushing of views. Do you think that Twitter has enhanced Trump's position or been a detriment because he sure does run his mouth on twitter and i think that that polarizing factor if he didn't have a social media outlet where he was blasting out an impulsive thought or right right um i wonder if you know he wouldn't be quite as polarizing if i ever get to talk to him again the one question i didn't ask that i wanted to was i've always wondered you know, is he up there propped up on the pillow in his feety pajamas doing this stuff? It's, he's got to be. I mean, right? I, I mean, or does he have the robe that says DT on it or whatever, the shiny robe, you know? And I, I mean, because I, I get up and get some exercise in the morning. It's like, oh, God, here it comes. Well, and does he sleep? When does he sleep? Appar- apparently, he, he does little. not sleep much at all, for especially for anybody, but for somebody that's 69, right? Yeah. But here, here's here's what I would say. I don't always agree with the tone and tenor, and I would not say things the way that he does. Uh, but but he has certainly made a connection. Now, now what he does, and he's done it in a very different way, is what the great Ronald Reagan first did. Before he had, obviously he didn't have social media, no. but Reagan didn't feel like his message was getting out there in an unfiltered manner because of the media. Right. And what he would do is he would crisscross the country. If it was a bill that he was yeah. trying to push through or something like that, he would just it'd basically be like whistle stops except on the plane. Get his message directly to the people. Directly to the people. And so I think that's what Trump has done, good and bad. I do think that as far as his policies go, it makes it very difficult for people to look at his policies because of his personal style. Some people. I mean, you've really got to be kind of nuanced to go ahead and separate well, those out. Since the impeachment... He seems to have gone overboard almost, you know, getting involved in this uh, stone trial and that kind of thing. And, and P- 
there's there's beginning to be some pushback about now, it. Now, now, when the attorney general said what he did, that's something to yeah, go at. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. But by the same token, though, you go ahead and you 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 Google anybody on the other side of the deal from the president, and and they have called Bill Barr everything but a human being. Right. Until yesterday. Until yesterday. And then all of a sudden, he's the smartest guy on the planet, and we need to listen to this guy. That's right. The other thing is, if you look at what happened in that Stone trial, I, I mean, the jury forewoman yeah. is a former Democratic candidate for Congress right. who is an attorney herself who tweeted a celebratory tweet about when Stone was arrested yeah. and has lamented much of what the president has done on social media. Yeah. So, you know, that's one of those things that deserves to be addressed. Absolutely. Well, and and, Bias. and, and sort of a wrap-up of the whole thing, I think that the people reporting all of this, back in the day when you and I were right. just getting started, the newscasters were, they had to be impartial. They couldn't give one side or the other. And now you can almost tell. And and and, it, and it's cable TV primarily. I'll tell you this, and I know we're short on time. No. I could never tell which party Tim Russert was from. He did those shows and everything, but I could not tell you what his political registration was. That was a different time, it seems like. Right, right. Yeah. But, that but, was but, for it turned. But now, and a lot of people thump on people on the right, but do you notice that, like, Sean Hannity never appears on Fox News on election night? Yeah. Because he's an opinion guy. That's right. And he says there's no place for him, and he's told his bosses that, no places for his opinions on election night when they're reporting results. Yep. I miss him. I miss so much impartial reporting where you're left, like you said, to be the one who makes your own decision. But again, there are many people now that try to shape the conversation, and it's much like the impeachment trial. Yeah. Much of the accusations that were made during the impeachment trial, and they were made by the House managers as well, right. is he said this, but this is really what he was thinking. What he was thinking. Oh, how do you know that? I, I, I did not know you had a degree in that. How would you know that? So even though, you know, you've got people that report, some people just don't want to listen. That's right. They don't want to get into the text. Dave, I appreciate you being on today. I, I, it's great being with you guys. Thank we you don't get to do this nearly enough, and I appreciate what you all are doing and bringing sense and sanity and love and peace and rock and roll and all that stuff. Cover a lot of ground. Right. I mean, yeah. serious. No, I mean, listen, it's a, it's a strange time in this business, in this format that we're talking on. It and is. it's and it's great that you guys are still doing what you're doing. Appreciate it very much. You've been listening to the Tom Dupree Show. It's News Radio 630 WLAP. Hi, this is Tom Dupree Jr. If you have your retirement savings in a 401k or 403b plan, your money is in a mutual fund more than likely. In a mutual fund, you invest with a group of people and you are affected by the group with which you invest. If they are withdrawing money while you're holding tight, your investment performance could be affected negatively. At the Prefinancial Group, we invest every account individually. That means each client owns his or her own group of securities, which is unaffected by the behavior of other investors. It is not a pooled account. For a free review of your retirement investment holdings, call Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400 and make a no-obligation appointment. Also, be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show on Saturdays from 7 to 9 a.m. 
That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400 and DupreeFinancial.com. 